Well, Father in heaven, we do thank you. We bless you and we praise you, Lord. We worship you and magnify you. Lord, we lift you up. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You're worthy to be praised and adored. Thank you, Lord. We love you with your everlasting love. Father, let that be more than sufficient for everybody here. Let your love be more than sufficient for everyone here. And we bless you, Lord. Help us to understand your word and put it into action. We want to be doers, not just hearers. And so we're here to hear and to do your word. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So this is a great season in the earth. Amen. Season of great mercy. Amen. Those who sat in darkness were shown a great light. Over. Amen. 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 And that light is still shining. Amen. Shining brighter and brighter for those of us who love him. I don't know about you, but I'm more saved than I was yesterday and last year too. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and the rest I'm working on. Amen. God's working on it for me. Amen. Amen. So it's a good thing to be joyful about God, to know him, to have relationship with him, friendship with God. And uh, it's just great. So yesterday we began talking about God's mercy being his secret weapon and our greatest hope. And it's a good thing to understand the mercy of God. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I started looking up the word mercy in the Bible. And it was often coupled with other things. So I said, well, mercy is like the uh, the gang leader. And he brings his, his boys with him. Mercy and truth, mercy and peace, mercy and love, mercy and kindness, goodness and mercy. Amen. So, And mercy and favor. So we talked about favor yesterday. We talked about Esther understanding that she needed to have the favor of the king and not just assume she had it. Amen. I was listening to someone who uh, had worked with the late Catherine Kuhlman. If uh, some of you are not as familiar with her, uh, she was a healing minister during the 19, I guess, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And she might have passed away in the 70s, maybe the 70s, something like that. But uh, she moved in great power in God. She would come into a meeting and God would uh, help her to get people healed through the gift of the word of knowledge. And uh, we all know that that's one of the gifts of the spirit that operates as the spirit wills. And she was always very humble to uh, ask God before she would even go out on stage when the meeting would start. She would stand there and ask the Holy Spirit to please use her. And people who would observe her would, would ask her off and on, you know, why do you... He's always there. He he uses you. Why do you always? Oh no, he could use anybody. I never take it for granted that he's going to use me. Amen. So she always gets secured in the the fact that she has put that petition forth, and she's expecting God to answer on it and not the other way. And I thought, well, that's pretty good. That should help anybody. <laughs> that's you know, uh, if you're if you're out uh, shopping, you know, God, please use me. Amen. Don't assume that because you pass by many people who need help that God's going to use you and, and choose you to help them. How many times do we 
walk past sick people or people who aren't saved and we just keep walking amen people who have troubles and we know they look like they have troubles and we just keep walking and so we have to understand that that petition that that um, uh, request humbly submit it before god you know god let me be the one that you use let me be the one to help somebody participate or participate somebody's miracle let me be the one uh to witness for you i'm living so that i can witness for you and i think um, if we keep it on that level we'll understand that it's the mercy of god that opens those doors for us for ministry it's not what we call quote the anointing even though the anointing has its own power but all of the fruit of the spirit all of the spirit of god works together so that he can accomplish his will in the earth and so i think it's always good to not assume anything you know uh i know many times ministers get up and sometimes they're what we call on and hit it and sometimes it's a miss and it's not that god's change see and so there there has all i'm saying is there must be a way for us to tap into god's heart and tap into his spirit so that we cooperate with him in what he's doing and not just assume that because we're in a pulpit or because god used us the last time that he's going to use us powerfully and mightily again we'll all have instances where we'll get in that what i call miracle flow you know in the cut where the flow of god is so strong and so powerful you're just carried with it in the person that you're ministering to gets benefit of it Uh, but there may be times also those times don't happen every day they don't happen to me every day and they happen every time you step out of the house or into the pulpit so we have to really start to understand that connection cooperation that we have to have with god but his mercy is what moves him to do what he does so we did define mercy yesterday i'll just go over a basic understanding it really means to be gracious and to show favor to have compassion and pity and it also means to make someone favorable so then god's mercy will come upon you and linger when he shows you mercy that's his favor he's he's singled you out and favored you but also that favorability lingers on you and other people see it and other people want to help you other people want to obey god on your behalf and that's the wonderful thing about it Um, the other part of it too is that it's not a a blank permission slip for you to do anything you want to do see it comes upon you at specific times for specific reasons and god will will bless us and and understand and always understand that when you go before god and he's a merciful god you can ask anything you can ask the impossible you can ask things that are really a stretch for you to believe god to do so it's really like a blank check in a sense but it doesn't just have your name on it all the time it it requires a co-signer so to speak and so uh, we are joint heirs with christ it, it requires the will of god the permission of god and the timing of god 
And I think that's the other thing, too. Sometimes we're very anxious to get on with life and the things that we desire to see God do for us. But mercy also includes the timing of God in certain things. So it's a package deal. Mercy will also bring truth with it. For instance, if you, um, you're wanting to make an application for a loan and say you've been turned down and, you know, your credit rating is shot, you know, all the, all the natural things about you look like it's, you know, like you're done for. And then God comes along and, and that becomes not an issue to whoever is, is there. So God's favorability has come upon you. And others can see it, and they respond to it in the way God wants them to respond to it. Amen? And so we have to understand that that when that mercy comes in, it boosts everything of our spirit. See, it boosts your faith. You can believe for the impossible. It boosts your favorability. It boosts your knowledge. It will boost your understanding. Uh, some of the things that we've we've not been able to accomplish in the natural now seem like possibilities to us because of God's great mercy that He's shown us. Amen. He's what mercy does is it pushes aside everything that was against us. You know, like the Bible says that uh, um, God, through His work on the cross has blotted out the ordinances of the law that were contrary to us. You know, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. It's not that you don't have to do the will of God, but it's blotted out the penalty for not being able to accomplish what God commands us to do. And it's not that we want to use that as an excuse for disobedience, but it's kind of like, man, I was aiming at, at obeying God, and I missed it totally today. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you had them days you go to bed, and I'm glad this one's over, you know, because it was a wash as far as accomplishing anything is concerned. And so those ordinances that were contrary to us where we would draw a penalty for disobedience are not, not there anymore. The curse has been broken. So we can walk free of this debilitating penalty that kept us from stepping out in faith again and desiring to accomplish anything again. And so it's a wonderful thing that his mercy covers all of those situations, all of those um, uh, your weaknesses, pitfalls, whatever you want to uh, talk to them, talk, uh, speak of them as, uh, because his mercy is so extreme. Uh, it goes to where you would think, God, if I were you, I wouldn't have anything to do with me again, you know. And and then you, you think about he just opens that door and you're broken. You feel his love. You you understand and, and you promise you're not going to do it again. And You know, all of that happens because of his great mercy. So his mercy really reinstates us into a, a great position with him. Amen. Uh, you know, I was talking to God once about something that, that kind of, you know, confounded me a little bit. And um, I watched people over the years um, in ministry. I've watched some of them and how God 
blessed them. Um, he made them famous. They became wealthy off a name that God promoted among people. And then they'd slip into some kind of moral failure, you know. And there was lots of them, um, you know, caught with some prostitute somewhere, um, caught caught with some man, and you a man, you know. I mean, just things that you think to yourself, my goodness, Lord, come on now. What's, who can make it around here? You know, you look at them, and they have all of that. They have all that knowledge and understanding, and still. And, and the Lord began to show me, and then I thought to myself, I said, no, God, you gave them the best. And they trampled over it. You know, I mean, I'm just being talking. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking to myself, come on now. I said, and you have foreknowledge. Why would you elevate them so much knowing what they would do once they got it? Why would you give them so much and give them your best and have people have confidence in them? You know they're going to mess up, but yet you shower them with nothing but your best why would you not withhold some of your best because they're going to mess it up he said i don't have any not best to give anybody did you hear what i said i don't have any not best to give anybody i don't reward you according to your failures that i see you're going to make I don't withhold my best from you because I know you're going to mess up down the road. He said, I don't have no second best to give anybody. You know, the best we can do, it is good. See, the best we can do is our best for God. And maybe they were doing their best for God. I don't know. But I do know this, that God will never, his mercy will be the same for me, for you, for anybody, even though he knows down the road what we're going to do. Amen? And so it's a, it's a good place to just settle in and relax in God and say, God, please help me to be worthy of your best. Help me to give 100% and not hold anything back. What are you holding it back for? Yourself? Some brother that didn't treat you right the last time you spoke to him and ain't going to treat you right and it's some sister that's going to come in won't take everything you got anyway? You're withholding your best for that? Huh? So it's best for us to live in that knowledge of God giving us 100%. His mercy is 100%. It's not a little bit of mercy because we're a little jacked up still. And it's not some cast off stuff because we don't quite measure up. But it's 100% all the time. And it is according to your faith. And so let your faith be the righteous faith of God. Let your faith come strictly from his word. Let him be able to see that you believe him 100%. And if you can show him that, then you'll feel worthy in in a sense of the greatness that he wants to pour out to you. Even though it is humbling to receive the best from God. It really, really is. 
some people may look at it and think it's not much but i know whatever god gives me it's according to my faith and it's the highest degree of goodness that he has amen and so it's just good to understand that his mercy grants us the kingdom grants us the 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 perfection of god even though we're not perfect ourselves amen even though we don't believe perfectly even though we don't obey perfectly uh, it's it's perfection as far as god is concerned amen and it's that's his mercy amen it it donates to us above and beyond what we can ask or think that's his calling card he always shows us that amen so to be merciful also means that that people show you consideration and that's what i was speaking of they consider you whereas your credentials and your your job history and all that might might imply that you would not be considered for something know that his mercy causes you to be considered anyway amen so you will be considered because god has put his mercy upon you and that's why it's always good to cry out for his mercy you saw people that wanted something from god uh, uh, bartimaeus the blind man cried out jesus thou son of david have mercy on me whenever he nobody went to him asking for their covenant rights or their uh what they were due or what was owed to them the ones that really got what they wanted asked for mercy why is that well when you talk about what your rights are that probably implies something that you know you have coming say for instance if if you know you've got a covenant of health with god and you say well god i have a covenant of health with you uh, i claim my healing i'm healed etc etc you know if you say god have mercy on me you might get a miracle see your covenant of health implies that there's something you must do mercy implies a blank check whatever god feels like he wants to to uh lay upon you that day amen i mean it's good to know what the word says about what god promises you don't get me wrong now there's nothing wrong with your your the application of the law of god to the needs that you have but my thing is that's more for you to be able to meditate it out and understand and build your faith so that when your request comes you have an assurance that god will answer that but see when you talk about him coming to meet that need you want the maximum of what he can give you and see rights don't have to do rights can it's just specific it's like we have voting rights they you have a right to be able to vote with nobody hindering you and nobody stealing your vote you understand what i'm saying that's your right but that's only in one specific area when you come to god and you're sick you don't know what you need you have no clue so god have mercy on me i'm not feeling good today i don't know what this is they got all these rumors and 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 viruses running around here lord but have mercy on me and let this thing skip over my house amen now your rights is when you tell the devil 
he doesn't have any. You take authority over the devil. No, I'm redeemed from the curse of sickness. You get away from me. But in the throne room with God, you want extreme mercy working in your life. You want the maximum that God will be able to place upon you. You get, you get, you get miracles that way. You know, healings you can get all the time. You can walk that out. You can confess and, and thank God for it and it gets better and better and better. Amen. And one day you look up, the symptoms totally gone. You don't even remember it anymore. That's one way to do it. But then there's that extreme mercy of God that we can tap into. You know, that, that covenant mercy. Amen. It's a covenant of mercy with us. And mercy will override everything that was, that would stand against you. Everything. It's amazing. It's amazing what God wants to do for us. Hezekiah was the king of Israel. And God sent him word one day to get his affairs in order because he would surely die. That word surely refers to his covenant. Whenever you see the word surely, verily, truly, that's an oath being sworn. And when Jesus would say, surely, surely, I say unto you, what he's saying is there's a covenant covering what I'm talking to you about. Amen. A blood covenant. And so that word surely, when Hezekiah said, was told by God, you will surely die. Amen. Same thing Adam and Eve were told in the garden. You will surely die. Adam and Eve died in the sense that they were disconnected spiritually from God, but they lived physically for another 900 years. So even in the verily and the surely, there's mercy. Got me? And so Hezekiah, they said, turned his face to the wall and he prayed. And the prophet was leaving Hezekiah's house and before he got out the door. God told him to go back. You see how effective your prayer is to God? How effective his mercy is? If you will ask for it. Hezekiah began to talk to God. Just like you talk to a friend. And he petitioned the God of extreme mercy. One minute he's making out a will. And the next minute they're bringing him a fig poultice to put on that boil that was that had uh, poisoned his bloodstream. Amen. And the boy and the the poultice worked. So you can get treatments that don't work. But this worked because it was God's extreme mercy. But as the Kaya told him he said, "You know, God, I was planning to do more for you. I was planning to stay around and work for you some more." You know, it's amazing how having plans to do stuff for God will keep you alive. Well, a few of you are interested in that. (laughs) I'm not talking about plans to go give somebody grief or cut up or go to a party or go buy something new or just... Oh, I can't wait till the new Michael Kors come out. It's going to look like the same old one. 
whatever patterns his new boyfriend is cutting out, that's what you're going to get. Did I say something wrong, huh? I didn't want to say nothing wrong. Now, we in church. Huh? You understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about making plans to do something with God. Yeah. You know, just get up every morning and say, God, put me on the schedule for before you go to bed at night. God, put me on the schedule for what you're doing tomorrow. And I'm a, I plan to be there. See? But that's what Hezekiah did. He said, God, remember when I did so-and-so? Remember when I did such-and-such? Remember? Now, this is interesting. Before he got the death sentence, we don't know what he was talking to God about, if he was talking to God, what he was thinking about, anything. But we do know that after he got that, that word, he began to think of goodness, mercy, Whatever's pure, of good report, praiseworthy, thankworthy. You think if he could have been talking about this all along, he wouldn't have got the death sentence. But I thank God he did when he did. So see, it's never too late to apply the word to your situation. Deathbed means nothing. Huh? It means nothing. If Adam and Eve were promised that they would they would surely die by God and then they didn't die, you know, not really. They stayed around, they had children, they raised them. All of those things happen that pertain to life. And if they stayed faithful to God, they went to sleep in God to be raised up at the resurrection. Now, I don't know many people that say this, but I think it might have happened this way. They listened to the devil. What did the devil tell Eve? What did he tell her? Huh? He told her, he said, you will not surely die. And she believed it. Could it be that God honored that? See, sometimes we can be lied to and add faith to it. And because we're operating on that faith, God will show us mercy. You ever thought you were doing something that turned out wrong and God didn't cast you aside? according to our faith folks always believe the word of God but Hezekiah just began to reminisce with God remember when we used to do uh, you gave me stuff to do and I went out and took the armies out and we conquered this group of enemies and that group of enemies and we did this and we did that those things are life changing folks they start to bring life into you. That's making plans to be here a while and continue to serve God. You got me? 
And so before, as, as he was just getting the words out of his mouth, God's heart was touched and mercy came upon him. And God said, well, I'll give you 15 more years. Amen? That's pretty good. For, you know, this afternoon they're having a funeral. Amen? Then you got 15 more years. Amen. And so it's the extreme mercy of God. It's not your extreme faith. It's not how much you say, you do everything perfectly. Quit fooling yourself. Hey? Because in some areas we still don't know what God's standard is. We see the word. Amen. So we can all go a little bit further with him, I think. Amen. I think we all could. Amen. So, so Jesus healed many people because of mercy. When they asked for mercy, he gave mercy. Amen. Many times he would ask people to be specific about what they wanted. What would you have me to do for you? Well, that's the blank blank check right there. Those people could have asked anything. Some of them say, just let me receive my sight. Amen. I want to walk. I want to hear. My child is sick. Please heal my child. Amen. And then they would get up immediately and spring back into perfect health. Just one touch from the master. That's extreme mercy. He just puts it all on you. Everything that's missing, everything you need, he just begins to bestow it upon your life. Many of those people who were blind were able to make a living for themselves and quit begging. So extreme mercy will get your health back. It'll bring your dignity back. It'll bring your livelihood back. It'll bring your money back. It'll bring your family back. The crazy man that was at the tombs. When Jesus healed him and he wanted to follow Jesus. Everybody that he touched wanted to follow him. Amen. Some of them got distracted (laughs) and went another way. But that was very common for people to want to follow him. And Jesus said, no, go home and show your family. Amen. How you're restored now. Show them that they don't have to be afraid of you anymore. So here we got a man put in his right mind, but he's also got his family restored. There are a lot of people that get off drugs and the the family won't talk to them anymore. You understand me? You get into a place where you've hurt a lot of people, unforgiving hearts and fear. They don't have to accept you back. But extreme mercy gave him back everything the devil stole from him. What's your name? Legion, because there's a lot of us up in here. You know, I don't care how many of y'all up in there. You're coming out today. Amen. Put this man in his right mind. Amen. Jesus wasn't scared of his legion. He probably lying anyway. Devils don't do nothing but lie. One little teeny demon in there. Oh, there's a lot of us in here. We just don't come in here messing with us. We get you. Huh? Jesus wasn't scared of anything. Amen. He walked in a mercy. He worked in, he walked in a mercy to minister. And to minister to successfully to everybody that came for help. Amen. Praise God. Ten lepers came up to him. 
one of the few group healings that you see in the Bible. Amen? So he spoke to all of them, told all of them, go, show yourself to the priest. Amen? It had to be done according to the Jewish law. The priest was the one who released them, amen, from that stigma of being unclean. And so as they went, they were healed. Amen? We use that scripture all the time. You know, I'll, I get, sometimes I get sick of saying I'm winting, but I keep winting. Amen. Some may ain't quite as solid as it needs to be. Some not quite as strong as it needs to be. A little pain here. Well, I'm winting. Amen. I'm going in faith, doing what healed people do. Amen. And the, the rest of it will catch up with me. Amen. As I went. <laughs> Amen. So that's God's extreme mercy. You don't have to keep going to the doctor and they give you this and it don't work and that and it don't work and then you start getting them pings on your phone somebody wants you to try the cbd oil huh yeah that ain't, that ain't the stuff to get you high you said no i'm not gonna touch that stuff it used to be illegal and i know that so if it's illegal now to me i'm i'm going with the word think about your cbds <laughs> Yo, X, Y, Z's either. Have you sitting up in a insane asylum somewhere? Maybe then added some alphabets to your name. A H D H B C, A H whatever P C P. Uh, 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 what is that? Um, What's the the military thing that they get? Used to call it shell shock. PSD. Is that a PSD? PTSD. Thank you. I, you see how many of that? Them out keeping up with them alphabets is a job. They all the same devil. The crazy devil. Man, get him out. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about Jonah today, and we'll talk about the Lord. Jonah's an interesting character, but he's one who has shown extreme mercy. I was trying to find it before I got sidetracked by something, (laughs) but uh, let me find it for you, and we'll go through that. See, he hiding from me. Lord have mercy. See, I don't like that when they hide from me. Come on, Jonah. Come on, Jonah. Come on, Jonah. Here he is. So the book starts out, Jonah is a prophet of God. He's not a newbie. He's got some experience. We get that from several things that we find out about him throughout the story. So the word of the Lord came to him. This is how prophets live. Amen. They live by serving God and servicing God's people through the word of the Lord. And he knows that this is God talking to him. So it's not like he can claim, oh, was that that you, God? You know, he don't get to play that because he's been at this for a while. He knows the voice of God. Even when Samuel was a little boy, he learned how to discern the voice of God. He was taught how. They're taught from little children if they 
God calls them that early, how to hear the voice of God. Why do they have schools for prophets? To teach you how to hear from God. To teach you how to minister out of that word. All of that kind of stuff. So it says, he, he, God, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness is come up before me. So whenever God sends word, that's mercy. If he have to get up and come himself, that's another story. You understand what I'm saying? So always receive the word of the Lord, <laughs> however he sends it. Amen. I was just got out of nowhere a text from somebody that said that somebody had uh, given them a word for me. And sometimes I'm I'm putting things out before God. Sometimes it's God sovereignly want to talk to me, and, and they told me what it was. And I said, well, thank you very much. And I just kind of put it aside to wait until God spoke to me about it. And see, this is what, you, what you've got to understand about God's word. If somebody gives you a word of the Lord, you have to... Give yourself an opportunity to receive it. So I thanked him for it, and that was the end of it. That's as much as I could do at that point because I didn't have a chance to listen and see what God would say about it. Now see, let me tell you where people screw themselves up, make mistakes. They want to tell somebody, I received that. Oh, yeah, I needed that. You want to respond to that person delivering the message because you think you owe them something. You don't owe them nothing. Because they're just the messenger. Now, you don't dislike them. You don't get angry with them. You don't contend with them. You don't reject them. But at that point, that was all I could say is thank you. For passing the message on. Got me? After I got a chance to pray about it, I was able to see that God was speaking some things to me that I needed to hear that I had sought God about. So he just decided to do it through this vehicle. You understand what I'm saying? He's God. I'm not. I let him do what he wants to do. You got me? But you still have to treat things the same way. You have to give yourself an opportunity. And I don't mean push it away and and then two years later go dig it up. I mean, God, show me what you're speaking. If this is you speaking to me, show me what it is that you want me to know from this. And it was God. You understand what I'm saying? And I did respond to the person later. I said, you know what? I've had a chance to pray about this. I said, and I'm seeing that God is, this is from the Lord. I said, so thank the man of God for passing this on to me. You got me? Sometimes we move too fast, too quick, too, and the word never gets to do what it's supposed to do. That word is supposed to come into my heart, make sense to me, and help me. If it's God. You see what I'm saying? But sometimes we're so wanting to say something and respond and, you know, have a quick something or, you know, like you see, this ain't a Facebook thing. You understand what I'm saying? Where somebody's going to get, I don't know who this is for, and you jump on it. That ain't, this ain't that. You understand what, and I don't live my life off of that. 
And you shouldn't either. You got a Bible you can get most of your stuff off of. And you come here on a regular, I'll guarantee you if God gives me something for you, I will tell you. You understand what I'm saying? So, but mostly we just receive from the word. Amen. You, you'll get more out of just listening to preaching and, and go read your Bible. Back in the day, though, this was the way God spoke to people. So here's Jonah. He's got a message in him that God has given to him. Now, let me say this. If God tells you something to tell somebody, you need to be obedient to God and go immediately and tell that. Unless God says, don't go now, I'm going to put them before you, and when you see them, you tell them. You got me? You have to follow the full instruction. Pretty much with prophets back in the day, when you carry the word, you only carry it so far before it would explode on the inside of you. It's like fire shut up in my bones is what the prophet says. God, The spirit of God has spoken. Who can help but prophesy? So you don't have to spit that out at some point because it ain't for you to keep inside of you. It's for you to speak it out to somebody else. So he's got clear instructions. He said, go to Nineveh and cry against that city. This is not happy news. This is not everybody's going to get a Mercedes by the end of the day. This is not $40,000 in your bank account by Monday. This is not good news. It says, but Jonah rose up to go the opposite direction. So here he's carrying the word of God like fire shut up in his bones on the inside of him. And he's going in the opposite direction. So this word is due to explode on the inside of him at some point. And where does it explode? When he gets on the boat on the way to Tarshish. It explodes so much that it causes a storm to come over that boat. It puts all of the men on the boat in fear and in jeopardy of their lives. And they all start breaking down, praying to their different gods and begging for mercy and crying out. And they see Jonah ain't doing it. And they ask him, what's wrong with you? And they said, is, is, who is God looking for? Is it you he's looking for? Because we all clean here. We didn't come clean. And nothing's changed. Something's going on here. Who are you and what are you doing on this boat? But for real, though. And Jonah then begins to break down and tell them. Yeah, it's my God and he's looking for me. So here he is in a a situation where he's put all these people in jeopardy. And immediately he starts to take God seriously. Huh? We're talking about extreme mercy here. See, he could have died right off the bat. He could have dropped dead. There were prophets that didn't obey God. They got overtaken by lions. He could have gotten on a boat that sank immediately if God was in judgment mood. But it just so happens God's in a good mood. He's in mercy mood. Because he's going to give mercy to Nineveh if they repent. But he needs to get a message to them 
so that he can show them mercy. He's always willing to show mercy first. His mercy endures forever. His anger only lasts for a short time. Because he knows that if he shows mercy, he'll get better results out of people. That's why his mercy endures forever. See, if you know that God will heal you, even though you've been disobedient, he will heal you and you can go on and live, you can be of service to God. He can get a lot of salvations out of a person that he shows mercy to. Much more than somebody he just takes out of here because they've been disobedient. So mercy pleases him. It'll help you. It's just better for the whole situation. And Jonah knows that about God. Sometimes you can be too smart for your own good. Because Jonah's seen God's mercy over and over and over again. In fact, that's what's got him upset. He he says it at the end of, of this interaction he has. Amen. He goes to Nineveh finally. He prophesies. They repent. And he's mad at God. See, I knew you wasn't going to kill nobody. You send me around here all the time threatening people you're going to kill them. I ain't seen you kill nobody yet. And that's why I'm mad. Jonah's in this boat. All these men are crying out to their gods. He goes and hides somewhere and goes to sleep. Huh? He got the word of God in him exploding all over the place. He's hiding from them. He got enough nerve to try and go somewhere and go to sleep. In verse 6, the shipmaster came to him and said, What is this going on here, you sleeper? Get up and call upon your God. If so be that your your God will think upon us that we perish not. In other words, ask your God for mercy so we can live. And they, every one of and his fellow said, come, let us cast lots that we may know who's the guilty party about this. And the lot fell on Jonah. The Bible says the fall of the lot belongs to the Lord. That's how God chooses people. And they said to him, tell us, we pray thee, why has this come upon us? And he said, I'm a Hebrew, I fear the Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. He says, and, and he says, and the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? In other words, a sinner sometimes can have more sense than a saved person. He said, if you're the God who, you serve the God who created heaven and earth, are you acting like this? And Jonah finally tells them, just throw me over into the sea amen verse 15 so they took him and cast him forth into the sea and the sea ceased from raging then the men feared the lord exceedingly now they got saved after all of this and see people think uh, let me tell you something interesting about god and how he reveals himself to people he reveals himself according to his own mercy not according to how good we are You know how good we feel after we can lead somebody to the Lord or we can pray for a sick person and God heals them? And we think it's because we did something right. You did, but you don't know how. 
And you did, but you're not in control of it. Because you can't repeat it. If for, for as good as we feel like that, most of us would do that every hour of every day if we could. But we don't. Because we still don't understand much about God's kingdom, do we? <laughs> so these men got saved. They started offering vows to God. Nope, we've run into the real God now. Jonah can get people saved and he's not even trying. He gets people saved and he's in disobedience. So before you pat yourself on the back because somebody prayed with you and received Christ, just understand that, okay? Just just for you keeping your file. So instead of allowing God, Jonah, to drown, verse 17, God had prepared had prepared had prepared had prepared already knew what jonah was going to do and already had everything laid out for him for his mercy so mercy and and grace met him there on that boat And God prepared a big fish for Jonah. And so Jonah stays into this fish. And he prayed to God out of the fish's belly. Verse 2, he cried according by reason of his affliction to the Lord. He says, he recounts this. He said, and he heard me out of the belly of hell I cried and you heard my voice. For you had cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of sight, yet will I look again toward your holy temple. So he repents. Took him three days in the belly of the fish (laughs) to get himself straightened out. Amen. Verse 7, my soul fainted within me. I remember the Lord. And my prayer came into thee, into your holy temple. This is the truth that he came up with. This is something he didn't know that he came out of this with. Amen. See, mercy and truth coming together to help him out. He said this, they who observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. This is a truth that God has has put into the earth for us to understand and for us to know. In other words, if you think you're going to live to disobey God and have a good life, that's a lying vanity. He said, you believe that, you forsake your own mercy. Well, see, I live off obedience. No, you live off mercy. There are a lot of people out here obeying God that didn't get up this morning. There's a lot of saints that died obedient to God. That you, you understand what I'm saying? Don't ever take your what you call obedience without the mercy of God is of none effect. People did that under the old covenant law. They obeyed God too. But they didn't have the degree of mercy that we have where we can confess a sin. They had to go kill their last piece morsel of food in order to get forgiven sometimes they had to kill the family pet when they sinned seriously 
all you can all you got to do now is say god please forgive me i'm sorry i did wrong amen in the blood of jesus see his blood cancels out the need for other sacrifices now don't be banking on your obedience now i tell you right now that ain't gonna work i mean don't be disobedient but it's the mercy of god that you're able to obey it's the fact that he lives in you and moves you to do the right thing and not the wrong thing that you're able to live it's called grace unmerited favor you can't buy it you can't understand it and you can't work it it's something you step into by his great mercy amen He said, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. And he repents. He says, but I will sacrifice unto you with the voice of thanksgiving. And I will pay that which I have vowed. Amen. So the prophet repents. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited out Jonah on the dry land. A hot mess. If you've been in somebody's stomach for three days, you ain't looking too good. Amen. But you have your life. So the word comes to him a second time. Said, listen, Jonah, do what I told you to do. I haven't changed my mind about what I want you to do. Now that three that three days in the belly of the fish changed you, but it changed me. I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. I'm still God. You still work for me. You go do what I told you to do. Amen. So Jonah gets a second chance to obey God. Don't ever think that because God uses you, he uses you because you do everything right and do everything perfectly. Do the best you can. Love God. Love his people. Do what you know is necessary to do. But understand that it's mercy that we live off of it's god's extreme mercy that carries us from one place to another it's this extreme mercy that that wakes us up amen the bible says it's of the lord's mercies that we are not consumed they are new every morning his compassions fail not his mercies never fail amen your obedience is going to fail you your giving is going to fail you amen God have you know people have have exalted their little do's and don'ts so much you see people it's you know uh churches go tithe crazy you know all the tithers stand up and parade around here I said well surely you have your reward if I tithed into a place like that which I wouldn't cuz you got your reward already then they give and can't pay their bills. They come up broke. God's not going to reward you for bragging on what you do and parading around with an envelope, shaking it. Huh? I done seen him. And he's hoping that, to see, that's the shake of shame. This one's proud and trying to shame the ones who ain't up shaking the envelopes. And I know it's some shakers that ain't tithing. 
because they get sick of sitting down there and being shamed by the rest of them. Huh? Am I right, Miss Donna? We've been in and out a lot of churches over the years. You know what I'm saying? It's nonsense. All you did was was responded to man's call. You still haven't heard from God on it. Amen. Because if if you heard from God and were doing it by faith, you wouldn't be broke. Because He opens the windows of heaven and pours you out a blessing, you won't have room to contain it. See, we're supposed to be obeying God's word, not man's word. Amen. Let that be between you and God. Let your, your you know, your your giving, all that should be done in secret. The Bible says, Amen. You know, now there are times where we might have to, when we're at the conferences and we have to, you know, raise money and, and get pledges and stuff like that. And we'll ask people to stand, but I'm not going to ask them to do more than that. You understand what I'm saying? We have guest ministers. They feel to have them bring it up, stand up in the front, let me pray for you. My prayer for you is not going to do more than your faith in God that you obey God in it is going to do. You understand? We just come into agreement on what you have agreed and you can believe God for in your heart. And I'm believing the maximum for you. You understand me? But it's not going to that. Walking around and parading around is not going to help God bless you anymore. You understand what I'm saying? You just, let's, let's cut the dumb out. But Jonah made his prayer in the secret place before God. And then God brought him out. Amen. With the same instruction that he had before. See, God, if, God is not feeling sorry for you because you spent three nights in digestive juice. That was never God's plan for Jonah anyway. But God brought him out of it. He heard his he heard Jonah's prayer, he heard him repent, and he brought him out of that. Amen. Jonah did what he had to do to get rescued out of that. So God still had work for Jonah to do. It wasn't like, oh, now, Jonah, you poor thing, you just look terrible. You know, you didn't been through a lot, brother. No, get up and do what I told you to do. I'm the God who changes not. Huh? See, we think because of what we've been through, we get an easy road to, you know, God feels sorry for me. That's why we like to go around and tell everybody our blue, our troubles, you know. See if conjure up some sense. Huh? A little cheese with that wine. You know what I'm saying? And and you don't need God to feel sorry. His best was getting you out of that. His best was hearing your prayer. But now it's time for you to go back to work for God. You don't get a sick day because you've been in digestive juice for three days. You don't get cut slack. What's God going to do? Raise up another prophet and give him a word so you can take some time off? I don't think so. You get up and you go to work again for God. You keep winting. Amen. At some point, Jonah's health would catch up with him if he wasn't feeling too good. If he went around limping, that's cool too because that will remind him not to do that again. Amen. Amen. 
And so when we when we understand what God's about, when we understand that you got same thing with Job. Job laid on his bed for forty chapters. I wish I knew how many days. I always say I'm gonna look up how many. And it's written somewhere. I'm sure in somebody's notes or something. How many days he stayed on that sick bed, covered with boils, scabs. The dogs licked his sores. Nobody console him, comfort him. He's got three so-called friends that come by and want to rub it in more. And what does God do? He tells him, get up out the bed. He doesn't tell him, oh, poor Job. You know, I just, you know what? I understand. I got you, buddy. I, I got this covered. You can just stay there until you feel better. No, you don't feel better after you get up. You understand what I'm saying? Like a man or woman of God is supposed to do. Amen. You get up when God tells you to get up. Amen. You go do when he tells you to go do. You don't need a pity party. He'd had that already for 39 chapters. It got him nowhere. Job was a priest. Because the Bible said God turned the captivity of his friends when he he turned Job's captivity when he prayed for his friends. Amen. Those people had come by and talked about him, condemned him. You ain't perfect, you know, Job. You you think you all this, y'all that way, you know, quoting scripture at him, all that kind of stuff. And God told Job to pray for them. In other words, he proved to Job he was in better condition than the people who were giving him advice. Huh? Some of y'all got people who want to tell you what to do all the time. You're probably in better condition than them because at least you know you need help. They need help and don't know it. Hey! <laughs> right. <laughs> so Jonah went and prophesied to Nineveh. The king heard it. It says, you know what we're going to do, y'all? Nobody eat nothing. Don't feed the cattle. Don't feel the chick feed the chickens. Everybody going on a fast. And they turned their face toward God, and God spared that city. And Jonah's bad at God again. Amen. He ain't learned nothing. He's He's been the recipient of God's extreme mercy. See, when you carry the word of God, you carry God's mercy with you. All these prophets is talking about, oh, God's done with America and he's going to burn everything up. Excuse me, I live here. And I have it on good authority that God is going to spare me because I'm, I'm, I'm crying out for mercy. See, I'm one of the mercy people. He's not going to destroy the righteous with the wicked where do you live huh sub with that he didn't even do it under a weak covenant in the old testament they had a weaker covenant didn't have the strength of the one we have one that has a strength of eternal blood and eternal mercy on it no i'm crying out for mercy i'm <laughs> 
and i'm not even going to god with my i i can do this for you and i can no god please spare us there we are we are guilty of wickedness and we forget we repent we ask you to forgive us our ancestors our lawmakers all this wickedness lord but please spare us that you have a people in the earth who can pray for people who can witness to people who can share your love with people lord just spare us that we can serve you now if you want to be spared for something else you might have to (laughs) you know be disappointed you understand what i'm saying but if you ask god to spare you for the right reasons you want to go on doing what you were doing for god all along amen god is ever merciful amen ever merciful the bible says he's ever merciful and lendeth you know what that means that means that you don't have to earn everything and be right you understand he lends you his righteousness he lends you his blessing he lends you his favor he's not rewarding you according to what you've sown because many times we ain't sown a whole lot you understand not nothing to impress him you got me we give sometimes what's left left over after we do what we want to do or we give just enough to meet the 10 percent like you scared to go over that <laughs> well, i wonder what's on the, what wonder what 11 would do or 10 and a half huh huh <laughs> lord tell me something turn to john chapter 18 and we'll we'll talk about jesus what do i have over there miss uh thank you thank you thank you what we can do with 13 minutes talk about extreme mercy in the life of jesus amen because then you know what you're a joint heir with him you can expect the same in your life amen so uh in john chapter 18 jesus is about to face death and he has to go and be alone with the father for prayer man um and so verse one when jesus had spoken these words he went forth with with his disciples over the brook cedron where was a garden into which he entered and his disciples and judas also which betrayed him knew the place for jesus oftentimes went there with his disciples judas then having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and pharisees came with lanterns and torches and weapons jesus therefore knowing all things that should come upon him went forth and said unto them now this is after jesus had prayed amen he he finds them coming to arrest him with judas as a witness of some crime that they can accuse jesus of and jesus knowing all things that should come upon him went forth and said to them who are you looking for or whom do you seek and they answered him jesus of nazareth jesus said to them i am he 
and Judas also which betrayed him stood with them and as soon as he had said unto them I am he they went backwards and fell to the ground then he they then he asked them again who are you looking for and they said Jesus of Nazareth he said I told you I am him if therefore you seek me let these other ones go their way that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke of them which you gave me I have lost none and Simon Peter having a sword drew it and cut off the ear of the priest's servant then said Jesus to Peter put away your sword he said the cup which my father has given me shall I not drink it amen now this is the first it seems like the first and only recording of Jesus uh, of people being slain in the spirit when Jesus spoke to them he healed a lot of people he cast out devils he operated in the authority that was given to him of the father to get the ministry done that the father wanted him to do all through his life he was under the full authority of the father amen full authority and but this had never happened usually when people were around him he could talk to them remember the lady with the issue of blood when he came upon her he spoke to her and entreated her she stood on her feet the disciples were around him all the time even when he rebuked them which is a strong powerful word they stood on their feet how is it now something has happened different in him that now people who are coming just to talk to him ask inquire who who he is they can't stand under the power of his words amen so something happened to him to cause this to happen and and it seems that what happened to him was when he was speaking to the father in the garden he prayed he has just finished praying and we all know his prayer he said father even at this late hour if it's your will let this cup pass from me in other words let me not have to go to the cross but then he said nevertheless not my will but thine be done and then he gets up and when people when he talks to people they fall under the power of his words i'm telling you there's power in total surrender to god you can even see it come upon jesus like it never was on him before he surrendered totally to the will of the father and what happened after that god upped the power on him see now he needed the power upped for some reasons because he was going to have to endure until he got through but i'm telling you if you don't want withhold anything from god he will not withhold anything from you if you'll let everything go and let him have it even in your words he will give you everything jesus had power to lay his life down he had power to pick it back up again and he even told them that 
he had power even over the cross except that he had given his word to his father amen that he would do it and the father gave him even more power so he had power to refuse and he had power to comply greatly and see when we surrender everything to God and let him know, whatever you tell me to do, I'm willing to do it. Most of us think we might want to do that, but then there's something else that comes in your head that you think is, is well, you know, I, I would do it, but, you know, I, I got a job. I got kids. I got a husband. I got a house. Got, you, you're always going to have something. There's always going to be something that's going to hinder you from total surrender to God. But it's amazing the power you get in return. See, Jesus now has power to call ten legions of angels. He never said that before. When he talked to them, he said, he said, why are you coming here with all that? You'll need all that. I'll come willingly. Amen. You don't have to handcuff me. I'm coming. He said, but even now, if I refuse to come, I could bring so many angels to come and surround this place. I'm telling you, when you surrender, the power is much greater. The power to, to comply and the power to resist are both greater. That's how some of our great ministers fail. They give a total surrender, and they get greater power to obey, but then they get greater power to resist. And when they start to resist, they fall. You got me? But if you'll stay in that flow of every day, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. What else are you doing with your life? You know, we live in an illusion, and we got a lot to do. Huh? If you didn't wake up tomorrow, you had nothing to do. And God didn't save you and give you his power and his word and all the things we have for you to just sit around and do nothing and say, I got more important things to do. You know, we get around church people, we start, oh, I got a life outside of this place. You ain't doing nothing. Barely paying your bills, barely, you know what? Huh? Teeth don't fit right. If you have more money, you can get them fixed. <laughs> I got more. I got more. I got more important stuff to do than this up here right in the end. Don't have no date. Don't have no nobody waiting for you. Huh? When they hear you coming home, they scatter. Huh? A lying vanity. Huh? See, God makes it easy for us to fully surrender. Jesus was, they say there was a joy that was set before him that caused him to endure the cross. He didn't like the shame. He despised it. But he went through it so we could have dignity. Amen. See, he he went through shame so that you don't have to. 
don't know why you're still listening to the devil telling you ain't this, you ain't that. Huh? You're a person of dignity now. Now, don't get a crown. Now, you ain't queen. You ain't king or queen. We got enough of them limping around, you know. Huh? But God's put a dignity on you. Amen? That you can't buy. All the designer clothes won't array you as nicely as what God can do for you. Amen? Just won't. <laughs> but listen, God God wants us fully surrendered to him. Don't Don't book yourself so tight. You know what I'm saying? Don't be so tight with your time on him. You know what I'm saying? You just always got something important you rushing off to do. <laughs> I get rush, 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 rush. Huh? You ain't going nowhere. We all know it. Hmm? You going out to your car and you going to sit at every red light and you going to go through every green light. Huh? All your importance. Huh? Yeah, right. So the the truth is known now. Amen. You're the same as everybody else. You're looking for God to use you. You're looking for a way to feel loved. You're looking for a way to feel important. You're looking for a way to feel significant. You're just like everybody else up in here. Amen. <laughs> That's what you're holding on to, a lying vanity. Amen. You need to give it all to the Lord while he wants it. Give it to him. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for understanding. Thank you for knowledge. Thank you for patience on your part to deal with us and to help us. Help us to make our relationship with you genuine and real. And I thank you, Lord, that this coming week will be a a week of reality for your people. That they will begin to deal with you in a real way. No pretense. No rushing around, no crazy ideas trying to seem significant, but that we would bow down before you, Father, that that we would surrender everything to you. If we've done it before, we can do it again. Father, inadvertently, we pick up our lives again, and we think we have great plans and good plans, but we have nothing outside of you. So, Lord, I thank you for that great reminder that in great surrender is great power. In total surrender is great things in the presence of God. I thank you for total surrender, Father. Withholding nothing is where your people need to live. Withholding nothing, Father. Withholding nothing. Presenting ourselves as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you. It's our reasonable service, Father. It's just the basics of what you desire from us. But we thank you that you're willing to accept us, Lord. Warts and all, shortcomings and all, everything that that we like and don't like about ourselves, you accept it all, Father. We thank you for that, that we're okay. So we bless you, Lord, and we thank you for a good week this week, a week of divine connection, divine, I don't know, divine relationship, interaction listening, hearing, and speaking in the Spirit, Father. I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Okay, let's do our confession. I don't have Rona, and she don't have me. I can't get Rona, and she can't get me. And I thank you, Father, 
that by the stripes of your son Jesus, I am healed. Amen, amen, and amen. It is so decreed.